Welcome back, friends, to the Wholeheartedly Her podcast. I'm your host, Laura Pryor, and in today's episode, we get spicy. My friend Maddie joined me to discuss a woman's role in the church, and friends, no matter what side of the aisle you fall on this topic, you do not want to miss this conversation that Maddie and I had. Um, a little bit about Maddie real quick. She's an amazing um, woman and friend that I met through my internship in New York City. Um, she's actually currently pursuing her Master's of Divinity at Denver Seminary, and her areas of interest are theological themes in literature and literary themes in scripture. Quite the tongue tie, and wow, she is a very, very well-educated young woman, and I'm just so honored that we got to discuss um, things that kind of fall under her areas of interest today. In her family life, um, she's married to her middle school sweetheart, and they have a beautiful, spunky two-year-old daughter, and Maddie reads everything from poetry to peer-reviewed articles, and she likes to fill her time with iced coffee and family time, so you can see why Maddie and I get along. Um, Guys, you do not want to miss this podcast today. It is full of wonderful, um, really just civil conversation, a few disagreements, and a few good laughs. So guys, buckle in, get ready for this amazing conversation. Welcome back to Wholeheartedly Her. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Wholeheartedly Her podcast. I'm the host, Laura Pryor, and I am just so excited that you're here with us today. Um, I have a super awesome guest to join me today, Maddie Modal. She is a student at Denver Seminary, and we are going to talk about a spicy topic, a woman's role in the church. Um, So kind of like how I teased in my trailer and on my first episode, um, not all of my episodes will be like political or hot takes or whatever, but this one is one that I want to talk about for so long. Um, I grew up in the Baptist church, went to a Baptist college. And so, um, this is a definitely a hot take in the Baptist world. My father-in-law is a Baptist pastor. And so we've had many a conversation about this topic and it's actually one that I, I personally struggle with. And so I'm really excited to have Maddie on the podcast, um, but yeah, so I'm going to kind of dive into some, I don't know, life updates. My kid is like six months old now, which is wild. He had sweet potatoes for the first time last night, which is just, that was special. And he like literally didn't stop eating them. So if you're a mom out there and you're trying to figure out first foods for your kids, sweet potatoes are a big hit. Um, man, I was a single mom for a month. My husband had um, a big job training for a month. And so I saw him twice in a whole month. And let me just tell you, single parenting is for the birds. (laughs) Um, I, I'm not a fan at all, but I mean, even I know I had a great support system. My husband was supporting from afar. So all you single single parents out there, man, I just want to like buy you a coffee or something because you need, you need it all, all the support, all the caffeine. Um, but yeah, I'm really pumped. I can't believe I'm already on the second episode of this podcast, but It'll be a good one. I'm excited. So without further ado, Maddie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much. Yes, of course. I'm so pumped. And you were nodding your head along with the sweet potatoes. Were those a, were those a hit with your daughter as well? Oh, definitely. But we started with avocado. So I had that, I had that thought. I really did have that yeah. thought. My husband was making guacamole the other day. I was like, why don't we just, I mean, cause I'm not a guacamole fan. I'm like, that's pretty much just baby oh, food. Man. I know. So See, sorry. my husband has a love hate relationship with that because he's like, I hate that you don't eat guacamole, but I love that I get to eat. All oh, that's guacamole. a good point. Yeah. 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 So it's great, but sweet. Well, Maddie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so pumped. Um, why don't you just kind of do a little bit 
of an intro about yourself. Yeah. Tell us about you, your family, current life. You just take it away. Awesome. So yeah, I'm currently earning my MDiv at uh, Denver Seminary. I'm, I have one more year left after this spring, uh, which kind of makes me want to break out into hives, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I am excited for whatever God has for me next. I don't know at all, but <laughs> um, so my focus is on theological themes in literature and literary themes in scripture. That's yeah. a lot. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really fun. So I was an English major in undergrad, um, but always wanted to have a foot in both worlds um, where I love literature so much and I love the Bible so much and they go together so well because the Bible is literature um, and also the Bible is the greatest story of all time. So it influences... um, all of this other literature that I can find themes and stuff, theological themes and stuff. So yeah, that's what I really enjoy. I focus on that. Um, I'm married to my middle school sweetheart. Um, Yeah, we met met when we were 10 and then started dating when we were 13 and got married really young at 19 and 20. And then the Lord blessed us with our little COVID miracle baby. Yeah. Her name is Midge and she's two now. And so being a mom is like the most important thing to me in yeah. the entire world. I know that you know that. Yes. Um, and so it is just like, really, it is just so much fun. And it only keeps getting more fun. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that because we're like in a really sweet phase right now. Like yeah. he's six, almost six and a half months. That's such and a good for age. me, every I know. Well, and everyone like just make it through the newborn years because then you know the toddler years get better. I'm like, I'm terrified of having a toddler that can like yeah. run to his room and slam <laughs> his door and tell me no. But it's good to hear that like someone who you is is your daughter almost two? two she just old? turned two. Just so turned two. Okay. Just on the other side. Yeah. yeah all. We have to stop as moms being like these naysayers. Yes. We have enough going on without. Oh my gosh. Yes. We <laughs> have the world kind of against us in the first place. Like it's yeah. already so hard to be a mom sometimes. Nice. And like, obviously like we love it, but it's just like, oh my gosh, can I catch a break? Like, yeah. stop being so negative about being. And like, obviously, like I have shared very publicly on my social media how like there are tough parts of being a yeah. mom. There's tough parts of, you know, just being pregnant, having a kid, going through mm-hmm. all that. But it's just like. I, I just hate the whole like, oh, like get sleep while you can have it. And, oh you gosh. know, yeah. just, you know, it, it'll get better eventually or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, but it, it can be better right now. Like, right. it's fine. We can find beauty and blessings in whatever our present circumstances are. Yeah. But. I mean, we have like temper tantrums. Oh, for sure. But we're also sleeping through the night. So, you know, like, yes. <laughs> there are things that are yes. hard about each phase, but then there are things that are so much fun and so great right. in every phase yeah. so that's awesome yeah well, that, that's a fun little tangent we just yeah. had I yes. love that yeah that obviously my podcast is not just for moms but the you're, you're my second right. guest and the second mom I've had on here so it's always mm-hmm. fun to just kind of connect with moms in different yeah. life phases yeah. um so let's talk about how you and I got connected um yeah. so I was an intern at Connection Church in Astoria in New York um in 20. 20- 16. So then I guess you were the year after I was, and then I came to visit New York and we just kind of got connected that way. And that's just such a fun little 
it's a fun little community. I miss I miss New York. I miss that little community. Yeah, I really do too. And I need yeah. to get my daughter back there. Like I just feel yes. like now that I have a kid, I just need to take her back. Yeah. Yeah. We went for literally twenty four hours this past summer when I was pregnant yeah. with Arthur just to see the McGee's and yeah. Mayberries and all yeah. all of our friends up there. You um, know, they're the best. But yeah, so that's kind of how Maddie and I got connected. And I've been following Maddie on social media since probably you were she's an intern um in new york yeah so just following you and your journey through washita getting married becoming a mom going through seminary um and obviously this is probably a topic we're not going to completely agree on because Mm -hmm. i but i will say i'm obviously not as i haven't spent my life studying you know biblical womanhood and i feel like that's a lot of what your life has been about because i mean intentionally or unintentionally you are a woman in seminary which so I I feel like that would just lend itself to um being engulfed in that topic um but I wanted to talk about this because I just feel like people are very controversial about it and even though we might not see eye to eye on it I still think it's such an important conversation to have because no matter how you view a woman's role in the church I think it's important to understand that women have a place in ministry and they have a place in the body of Christ. And I think Mm -hmm. so often people use, and I'm just going to put this out there, like to start with, if you're someone who's just like women submit to all men and they have no place in speaking or preaching, you just need to log off right now. That's not where this, that's not where this is going (laughs) at all. Um, But I think there's a lot of people who do believe that like Mm -hmm. women should just be quiet all the time. And like, that is not the case at all. And so I just wanted to have like a really open conversation with you. So I just, I guess I want you maybe to start out, just talk about um, how you view your, maybe your personal role in the church or a future mm-hmm. role in the church or just in general. I, I just give your, just give me your opinions on the topic. So I'll start with some definitions just for people who may not be familiar with this conversation. Usually with this, we use two different words to describe kind of where people stand on women in ministry. Um, mm-hmm. Complementarian is one yes. side, which I don't know if that's exactly where you fall, but basically it's women are a complement to men in ministry. Okay. Um, so it is, they have a certain role to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then egalitarian is basically the belief that anywhere that they're could be women serving in the church, any ministry position from head pastor to potluck organizer, you know, women belong there. Um, So I'm 100% egalitarian. I think that anywhere the Holy Spirit is being proclaimed, women belong in that position. And so I would affirm women in pastoral roles of all kinds, um, whether it's head pastor or associate pastor, children's pastor, wherever. Um, So that's kind of where I've landed. And I also have a similar background to you. I'm, I was Southern Baptist. Yes. Southern Baptist all the way. Yeah. So my, my uh, father-in-law is um, a pastor of a first Southern Baptist church. I was raised Southern Baptist went to, I mean, I don't know if OBU is necessarily Southern Baptist, but I mean, it's, it's Baptist in Oklahoma. So I'm going to assume it's Southern Baptist. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So that's, that's my background as well. I was born and raised Southern Baptist. And so this view has taken a lot of work, a lot of prayer, a lot of, um, 
fighting with God and fighting with myself uh, to get here uh, because it's not my, I guess, my home. It wasn't your first instinct. Yeah. That wasn't how you were raised. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's not my mother tongue. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, the church that I went to in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, small town mm-hmm. in Arkansas, uh, they were pretty progressive for Southern Baptists. So they had okay. women deacons. And then I never really felt particularly, I guess, put in a box ever. At the same time, though, I never saw women behind the pulpit. Women weren't really talked about a lot, mm-hmm. um, unless it was like in the context of purity culture. So that's kind of my background. But as I've studied scripture, more and more, I find that this is the most exegetically responsible role or view is egalitarian. So I don't know. I just want to pause there. Like, do you have any questions? No, that's a great explanation. No, yeah. I think I would fall. I would, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about the two differences, I would probably fall closer to complementarianism. Mm-hmm. But I also don't feel like it's, I, I wouldn't also, I would also not say that I'm just saying like women are just a compliment to men. Okay. I, I, I think I would fall. I mean, it's like my political views. I'm always like right. in the middle. I always yeah. find something yeah. good and bad about both, right. both yeah. sides. And so, yeah, I, I do think I would, I mean, I would lean more towards complementarianism, but I also don't view women as just like, that's their role is to just compliment men. Like in our marriage, I view my husband as the head of our household, but I don't think my only role is just to compliment him and make mm. him feel good mm-hmm. you know like yeah. literally and you know yeah what's the other word I'm looking for like not literally I guess but yeah um yeah that's so and that's kind of too, like how it plays out in marriage I was mostly focusing right. on ministry but also these right. really well, and that's, to your house. that's kind of where my view of and I guess maybe this is just again how I was raised um to believe is like the view of the church and the view of marriage are very similar like as mm. God is the head of the church right. <clears throat> the husband is the head of the um, marriage. But again, I mean, it, it's very different because I wouldn't say that God and my husband are on any same <laughs> level at all. I mean, <laughs> obviously, I love God. I love my husband, but like I love God first. Um, so but I, I do. That's kind of where I fall. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like you said, it. I mean, it is a very controversial view in the Baptist denomination specifically. So like you said you kind of obviously struggled to get to this current um, mindset that you have about women in the church. Just kind of talk us through like, what was the first, do you remember like a first like time you're like, wait a second. I think that women have more to offer in the church. Yeah. Just kind of how, how you got to where you are today. It was a very young age. I was actually, I asked my parents the other day, I was like, I don't, I remember getting baptized and, you know, I was really young, like uncharacteristically mm-hmm. young when I wanted to be baptized. I was five. Right. Yeah. Um, that's young. Yeah. Looking back on it, like, I don't know if I would let my daughter get baptized that young. Right. Um, because you it's such you a want, big decision. Right. And you want them to understand what they're right. doing. And so right. we lived actually in Aberdeen, Scotland at the time my dad was getting oh. his PhD. And it is their tradition and that church. And I think that it is also a tradition in a lot of churches as well, um, but not 
more, not really Southern Baptist, um, to have the child talk to the board of elders. And so at the age of five, I had to go into this room alone with this board of old Scottish men and tell them what I believe. And I don't remember what I said that day, but I convinced them. (laughs) like you know what she knows what she's talking about she's ready to be baptized um and then that like just throughout my life of I've always really had a commitment to Christ and to scripture as an authority in my life and I started questioning things you know I just said I never saw women behind the pulpit and I remember GAs did you do GAs Girls in action. No, but I have heard of that. That's amazing, though, though, because that that's very that's such a Baptist thing. Yes, it it is squarely Baptist and yes. um, Southern Baptist, I should say. Yes, and yes. um, I read about Lottie Moon for the first time. Yes, yes, and I was like, why have I never heard about her? Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I have heard of Lottie Moon since the day yeah. I went to church for the first time. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess well. You know, I, that's wrong. Because um, you hear of her offering, her like, I heard Moon. her offering. Yes. I heard her name. But you just don't hear about her. Right. I didn't know yeah. her story. Yeah. And so when I read her story for the first time, I was like, I want the rest of my church to hear this story too. Mm-hmm. And so this is why, this is where my church is just amazing. I wrote a monologue and I performed it to my GA group. And they had me, I had to be like nine, ten. Mm-hmm. They had me perform it to the whole church. That's so cool. And I love that. Yeah. And so I've always had this strong sense of women's stories are so important mm-hmm. and they're not emphasized enough. And just this yeah. deep longing for representation. Of, yeah. I think the Holy Spirit is calling me to spread the news of the gospel but I'm not seeing very many women like me doing that. And so I've had a really weird relationship to where I feel that this is true about me, that I have more to offer than not that it, you know, not that these roles are any less, um, right. but they're not my strengths. I didn't see right. myself as a children's director. I didn't see myself in women's ministry, I saw myself teaching people, all people. And so that's kind of where it was like, I'm hearing this from the Holy Spirit, but other people are telling me that the Bible tells me that there's a cap. So you can only go so far. And that kind of comes in with my marriage as well of like, where I cringe a little bit with the complementarian view of marriage is, you know, there's like this clear spiritual leader. And so at times when, you know, cause I've always known my husband he's the only person I've ever dated. There yeah. were times where I was more spiritually mature yeah. than who I was dating. And I've also, I'm in seminary and my husband is not. Mm-hmm. Um, my calling is to preach and to teach. And that is not his calling at all. Yeah. It's not his strength. And so I was, I also felt like a cap there of like, oh, if I'm speaking more, reading the Bible more, teaching more, Mm -hmm. then I'm not being like truly submissive. And he's Mm -hmm. no longer the spiritual leader 
in our relationship. So it started with me of just kind of like a deep conviction. And then by the grace of God, I was able to have teachers and mentors and people who taught me how to read the Bible in a way that just opened my mind to how important context is, how important exegesis is, how important the languages are to properly interpreting scripture. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's kind of where my struggle started and then where it took me. That is a really good way to put it. I feel like that's so important is like, I feel like some, sometimes people on like both sides of this argument are like, well, it's because like no one's just willing to give an explanation right like oh just because the bible says so i'm like chapter and verse me right now like right. <laughs> show me like right. I, I need i need a little bit of evidence so obviously you know the verse i'm going to bring up let's talk about first timothy 2 12 and okay. even let's talk about verse 11 too so first timothy 2 11 let's talk about through 13 got it Women should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. For God made Adam first and afterward he made Eve. And then, of course, there's more, which, of course, we could do more unpacking of all this. But let's just focus on that's just, that's usually the verse that's used to talk about a woman's role in the church. Right. Now, I will caveat this with I do not think that verse in any way, shape or form says women do not speak. <laughs> I just want to make sure that's on the record. Yes. In public. <laughs> because I do not believe that. Yeah. Um, sure. and I don't I don't think I've ever actually been to a church, been a part of a church or even like any sort of biblical right. institution that's actually believed that. I know there are some out there that do, and that's mm-hmm. just very special for them. But that's never been something that I've been taught. So right. the way that I think the Baptist domination interprets that, or at least the ones that I've been a part of are they focus on the women should not be speaking over men as in they should not have a role in the church over a man when it when it comes to being the leader like the pastor of a church like a head pastor so let's unpack that does that i mean i'll just ask you point blank does that mean women should not be pastors like lead pastors of a church uh short answer no okay (laughs) um but I'll jump into my long answer. Yeah. Um. So, Paul, there are just times that I wish he would shut up. I love him so much, but there, and let me say, like, Paul is my main guy. Like, I study yeah. him the most, and I probably will get my PhD in Paul. So I have a love-hate relationship with him. I hate how his passages have been used historically to mm-hmm. oppress people. His passages have been used to oppress people of color. They've been mm-hmm. used to oppress people of different sexualities. And they've been yeah. used to oppress women. Often, in since we're talking Southern Baptist, we often see Paul as our dude. And we emphasize Paul a lot more than we do Jesus. That's my context with Paul. Also with Paul, it's really important to remember that genre is so crucial to understanding Mm -hmm. what a person is writing. So if you look at the Gospels, those are narratives, right? So we're Mm -hmm. looking at Jesus's life, ministry, death, resurrection, ascension. Um, With letters, 
Paul is writing to a particular church person or group of people about often addressing very specific situations. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are easy to see in all of his letters that he's writing the letter because there's something going on that he needs to address. And so we often see Paul is just kind of, we interpret him sometimes as being this theologian and he is a theologian, but he's also writing things in these letters like, hey, I want to visit you in Rome, but first I've got to go to Jerusalem. And hey, can you send me some money? And hey, say hi to this guy. Or hey, stop this guy from uh, having sex with his mother-in-law. Like these things that are so particular to the people that he's writing to. And so that's also really important with First Timothy uh, to remember that Paul is writing this, you know, to a person about a particular situation. And the particular situation in this letter happens to be false teaching. Um, So it starts off right in um, in verse 3. I urge you as I did when I was on my way to Macedonia to remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach any different doctrine and not to occupy themselves with myths and endless genealogies that promote speculations rather than the divine training that is known by faith. So we know immediately in that in that verse that there are some people that Timothy's dealing with that are teaching things that are not gospel. Right. And right. Paul is wanting to um, encourage him to basically put an end to that. So we're looking at the context of Paul. We're looking at the context of his genre, the letter that he's writing. And we cannot just stop using proper exegesis when it supports our view. When I say exegesis, I'm thinking about historical context, which is what is happening in Paul's world, literary context, what is happening in the surrounding letter, um, and then also historical cultural context. So what is Paul's understanding culturally? And then also what is Timothy's understanding culturally? And so I think that's it. Keeping all that in mind. And this is something I just thought of. And obviously like, don't take any of my words as like, I'm right. You're wrong. Like, obviously this is just a a conversation. I'm just like, I'm firing at the hip right here. So when we're talking about just keeping in mind, like the context of what Paul was talking about in, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever year he was in and the context of his specific circumstances and surroundings how do we i guess for lack of a better word justify that with second timothy three sixteen, which is just saying like all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuke and correcting and training in righteousness so the man of god may be fairly yeah. good work yeah, yeah. so because that's where i'm looking at like yes like every every scripture was written in a specific day and time yeah but i also think of second timothy like even if the scripture was written in a specific day and time for a specific day and time, it's still useful to us today and it still has meaning to us today. So how do we kind of, I guess, juggle those two schools of thought? So that is a really good question um, and something that we have to wrestle with Mm -hmm. as Christians. But I think that that's where responsible exegesis comes in. Yeah. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Right. there are a lot of things in the Bible that we, that the Bible says that we do not live by <laughs> and that we see as 
that is what those people needed at that time. But for me, I, that doesn't apply to me because I've put it through this exegetical process. So do you wear a head covering in church? Oh, no, I think, I don't even think, I don't think hats are allowed in churches. Yeah. In the Baptist world, at least it was very frowned upon to wear hats in church. Right. So how do you reconcile that with second Timothy? Right. So Um, are we talking about, because, okay. And here's, where my lack of education comes into because we always we talk about you know like Leviticus those were very very strict rules for yes. believers to live by and you know the mm-hmm. burnt offerings and right. you know all the things all all the works that people had to do really before Jesus came and died on the cross so for me if we're talking about old testament stuff obviously I still believe that's God breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking and training in righteousness. Mm -hmm. But I also look at that with the caveat of a lot of those old Testament things were put to rest when Jesus died on the cross. Obviously I think the 10 commandments are still, I hope very useful to us at this day and age, because I really hate for us Christians to ignore the whole do not murder, don't covet, you know, those those few (laughs) important things. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I, and I, I mean, definitely correct me if I'm wrong or just like, you know, give me your thoughts on that. But that's how, kind of how I, you know, that's kind of how I view Old Testament versus New Testament. Like Old Testament, like you said, like was for that day and time because the circumstances were so different. Jesus had not come to die on the cross for our sins. We did not have that literal sacrifice to cover all of our sins. And now in the new Testament post, you know, death resurrection, we have almost this new standard of living, I guess. And that's just kind of how I view old Testament versus new Testament. I'm looking at first Corinthians 11. Mm -hmm. Any woman who prays or prophesies prophesies with her head unveiled disgraces. Ah. All right. So now we can go to Ephesians six, five. Or Colossians 3.22, and it says that slaves should be obedient to their masters. So basically, I I point out those passages to say that there are still Mm -hmm. exegetical hoops we have to jump through, even in the New Testament, that I don't wear a head covering either. Um, I wear braids in my hair and jewelry. Um, And in Paul's letter to Philemon... Uh, he tells the slave Onesimus to return to his master yeah. and to submit to him. Yeah. So there's just a lot of exegetical hoops that we have to jump through, no matter what passage we're yeah. looking at. And first, Thess- I mean, sorry, first Timothy two is mm-hmm. no different. Yeah. Um, so I just want to go through some first, some hoops that complementarians need to jump through yeah. um, when it comes to this passage. So first, if it is so important that women, you know, keep silent, that they do not teach over men, why right. doesn't Paul say that in all, every one of his letters? He just says it in First Timothy. Second, why does Paul encourage women to preach and be pastors if it is so important to him? This needs some background. If you want to turn I don't know, or look at Romans 16, yeah. he mentions that's where he's saying hello to all of his friends who are also in ministry and encouraging them. I actually and, had Phoebe on my list of people yeah, to talk about. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so Phoebe's one of those and she, and we'll get to her, but there are nine women that he mentions in that list. Priscilla and Aquila are also on my list. Yeah. So these are women who are teaching and pastoring and funding Paul's ministry. And, you know, you have to remember in the early church, we did not have head pastor, associate pastor, Mm-hmm. you know, children's director, like we didn't have the roles that we would like for them to have had because it would have made it maybe a little bit more clear for us. So if you want to talk about Phoebe, she's the one who Paul commissions to carry the letter of Romans to Rome. So she's this letter carrier. And letter carriers didn't just, they're not like, you just got a letter. Right, know? right. Like as much they, as we wish. Yeah. <laughs> as much as we wish they were. No. Um, she brought that letter and she read it to the congregation. Yeah. She would have answered questions about the letter. She would have taught about the letter. And we know all of this because we have resources from other ancient letter carriers and like job descriptions, basically, of what that looked like. And so when Paul commissions Phoebe. It's not like a, hey, deliver this for me, UPS man. It's Mm -hmm. a, hey, I have this tome (laughs) of a letter. It's probably Paul's most important letter that he writes. And he's commissioning this woman to teach men, women, children about his most significant theology. So it's interesting to me that when complementarians look at this passage, they want to interpret everything that Paul says through 1 Timothy 2. Why aren't we interpreting everything that Paul says through Romans 16? Um, And that's something that I did because I, I think a lot of people talk about like, oh, well, you know, back then, like, you know, like you said, it, it was different. And so I think the biggest thing that people talk about, or at least that I've read or whatever like focus on when it comes to, like Priscilla and Aquila and even Phoebe like Priscilla and Aquila are always presented as like ministers but like right. not necessarily like head pastors but again it was just you didn't have these big church buildings you didn't have like you said like head pastor associate pastor like Priscilla's the head pastor Aquila's the associate yeah. pastor like stuff like that and like I said, like this is definitely something that I go back and forth on. And my father-in-law has been so great to talk with me about that. And like yeah. obviously he's a pastor of a Southern Baptist church, so I know exactly what he believes. Right. But he's like I just feel like I've always that I've been very lucky to always have a very good like sounding board, I guess, for this. Yeah. And this is probably the only real thing I wrestle with in scripture because I'm just like if God made both men and women in his image, why can't we both do the same thing? But I also recognize he gave us different gifts. He gave men and women, I would say even different roles just in general. I mean, mm-hmm. women, I mean, and this obviously is supposed to come off in like the least offensive way, but if women do feel called to and choose to bear children, they're the ones that can do that. Men can't do that, you know? And so it's just like, we have very different roles in that. And so I think that's where I also view within the church, like, men and women have different roles. I'm not saying like, oh, because God created Adam first and Eve was the one that was deceived. I don't think it comes from, I mean, maybe it does. I mean, maybe if I was a more biblically educated complementarian, maybe I would view it that way. But 
I just think there is beauty in there in our different roles that God has given us. And that, that comes into play in just life in general, in our marriages, in our even like in our daily lives, in the church. And so um I don't know. I just I do think though you do raise good points as well. And like obviously like we're not here to debate. We're not here to change each other's minds. I just want to have like facilitate an open yeah. conversation. I think that's really I don't know, that was a really good conversation on because like I said, like I view the New Testament as kind of like this is what we live by. And everything you just said I would apply to First Timothy too. <laughs> um it's so I have a book recommendation. Um yes. Paul and Ginger. Please give us all. By Cynthia okay. Long Westfall. Yes. She deals with these passages in such a responsible way. Before we move on from First Timothy, I just want to mention a couple more things. Second Timothy one five. Paul says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, Mm -hmm. and now I am sure lives in you. So Paul is writing to Timothy, who was taught by his grandmother and mother. Mm -hmm. No mention of a father, no mention of a brother. It's Paul is saying that these women taught Timothy. And so that's also some important context of Timothy surely did not think that women could not teach because he himself was was taught taught by his his... grandmother and mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, back then also like unequally yoked marriages, Mm -hmm. you know, were a lot more common. So it could be even that his father was not, maybe not even in the picture um, or not a Christian. Not a believer. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Something that Cynthia Westfall mentions in her book is because the context of 1 Timothy is false teaching, in Ephesus, there's this cult of Artemis that's really prominent. And Mm -hmm. basically, the cult of Artemis helped with fertility and childbirth. And so basically, what Westfall argues, and I think is, is a really good argument, she's saying that these women are perpetuating a myth that... Artemis will help these women survive childbirth Mm. or conceive because, you know, still today, fertility and childbirth are things that women are really worried about and always thinking about. And so that where he's saying in verse four to not occupy themselves with myths, that is what Westfall argues the myth is. And so with this specifically, Paul is reminding Timothy, like, don't let them... (laughs) Don't let them, I guess, perpetuate this myth that Artemis is the one who helps them through childbirth. And so even in verse 15, where this verse has been completely weaponized as well, yet she will be saved through childbearing, provided they continue in faith and love and holiness with modesty. But she says it should be read, yet she will be saved through childbearing. So she will, her life will be saved. A lot of women died in childbirth. Mm, um, a lot of sense. babies died yes. in childbirth. And yes. so she's saying like, we're interpreting this as spiritual when really we're not considering like the physical uh, ramifications of childbirth to where right. these women, you know, now it's like, should I get an epidural or not? You know, right. back then it was like, can I survive this? Yeah. Am I going to live or not? Am yeah. I going to live or die? Right. Um, And sometimes I already, if I were a woman back then, I already have six children 
who's going to take care of them if I die with this one? Mm -hmm. And so these women are scared. And so that's why they're like, you know what, anything that might help Artemis, come on, like, (laughs) you know, anything that might help me get through this, survive this, I'm going to start praying to them. And I'm going to tell other moms, hey, have you tried praying to Artemis? Because I did that. And then I survived my childbirth with minimal bleeding. So maybe you will too. And that's more the focus of this letter is more, hey, pray to God. Right. (laughs) Stop praying to false teachers. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul is saying, hey, Yahweh, God cares Mm -hmm. about every facet of your life. And he can, he has power to protect you more than Artemis does. Um, That's so interesting. And I think, I think that honestly is just such a, just a gospel centered conversation because I think like you said, so many verses are taken out of context to weaponize against all different kinds of people. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. If you, you can take a, you can absolutely take any sort of verse out of context and weaponize it. And I think that is, that's the importance of. When, you know, in Timothy, when they're talking about all scriptures, God reads like all scripture. We can't just pick and choose which scriptures we want to apply. It is, let's look at the context of the scripture. Let's look at, you know, the before and after, you know, all that. And, um, you know, that's, you know, the the, the submission verse, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, see, wives submit to your husbands. And so many men take that even and say, women submit to men. And like, no, no, no. He didn't say women submit to men. He said wives submit to husbands. But also... You got to love your wife just yeah. as Christ loved the church. Yeah. And, and if, so many people just forget that verse conveniently. I know. And um, they also forget. So I love to talk about this passage because yeah. it's, it's used so much to subjugate yeah. women. Yes. So in the Greek, there's this thing called implied verbs. So mm-hmm. if I said, I gave Laura a cupcake. Mm-hmm. And Arthur too. We would know that what I'm implying there is I gave Arthur a cup- cupcake too, but I took mm-hmm. the verb out because we knew what we were talking about. In that passage, right above the wives submit to your husbands, mm-hmm. it says all Christians submit to one another. All believers mm-hmm. submit to one another. And the literal translation of the next verse is, and wives too, your husbands Interesting. too. Yeah. So it, it calls back to that original verb. So the emphasis is still on mutual submission right. among all believers and wives, you too. And then what comes next is loves to mess with these house codes. And he says, you know, husbands love your wives and mm-hmm. like that we get so caught up on the first verse that we forget mm-hmm. how radical the second is yes um because at this time um men like actually loving their wives and supporting them was radical behavior it was actually seen that if you had sex with a slave or a prostitute it wasn't cheating it was just it was only cheating if the other woman was married to a man too. So for Paul to say things like that, and we get so caught up on like, yeah, wife submit, wife submit, um, that we forget like actually Paul, Paul saying everyone submit to each other. I think even submission could be interpreted also as even just like, 
you know, keep each other accountable. Right. Communicate with one another because that's how the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a family to keep each other accountable to God. I know I've taken up so much of your time, but I've this no, has been I'm, such a good conversation. Like, so obviously, <laughs> this is the kind of conversation I want to facilitate here. Like, yeah. we cannot completely agree, but we can just have this great dialogue and conversation. I love learning from you, and I hope that mm-hmm. I haven't been completely just, you know, airheaded and just like, no. <laughs> you know, just, just completely like, you know, word vomited. But yeah. before we get off here, the last question, and like I said in my notes, that I sent you, this is obviously not meant to be offensive because I love Beth Moore. I love Me Priscilla too. Shire. I love, you know, there's so many right. um, women. I, I feel like motivational speaker is not the term for them. Just like women leaders. Yeah. I just look up. I, I really just, I wish I had the gifts that they have. Yeah. So should women take on more like of a quote unquote Beth Moore type role in the world? So I, I, what I mean by that is should they take on more of just a speaking role or just like a, you know, they they have their own like speaking and podcasts and stuff, but they aren't leaders of a church. And, and that's what I think this whole conversation boils down to. Like, I, I obviously do not think that women shouldn't teach. I think that they should yeah, teach. Right. My whole view is just that they have different roles in, in places to teach in the church and mm-hmm. in the world than men do, just because that's how I view it yeah. biblically. And, and, and I think that's okay for us to have differing opinions on that. Yeah. Um, but if someone comes to you and says women shouldn't be head pastors, but look, you know, Beth Moore does perfectly fine. And she's right. She's a speaker. She's not the head of a church. How, how do you kind of, I don't, I don't know. Let's just kind of dive into that topic for just a yeah. couple of seconds. I hope Daniel end. McGee is listening. Cause I'm still trying I do to convince him to be uh, an egalitarian. That's amazing. I love that. We <laughs> should, man, we should have brought, we should have brought Daniel on here. That's amazing. Uh, um, he, would, he would have just had us laughing the whole time. <laughs> I love it. So, my, I don't want to say pet peeve. I guess mm-hmm. my curiosity. It could be a pet peeve. Yeah, yeah. It, but it doesn't make me angry. It's just confusing. Right. Yeah. Is um, Southern Baptists get really technical about what words they're okay with using for women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I can be a leader. I can be a director. I can mm-hmm. be a teacher. But I can't be a pastor. Right. And that's where my struggle comes in. And that's, those are the conversations I've had. I'm like, what is it? Because the church, we, and we say this, and this has been beaten into my head since I was a child. The church isn't a building. So if the church is just a group of people, what's the difference between what Beth Moore is doing and what my lead pastor is doing? And and you, I mean, you, you can tell I'm just like this whole hour we've been talking, just like, ah, back and forth, ping pong all over the place. Like, and it, I, I, it's just a real struggle that I have. And I mean, I've been very open about that with my family who is in ministry mm-hmm. and with friends that are in, in ministry. And so, yeah, that, that is that uh, you're very correct. Like we definitely choose our words very differently and assign the yeah. definitions based on what we feel that. And you see how with, they apply. Like, Beth Moore and Priscilla Shire, like uh, there have been a couple of times where it's like, they can't stand up on the stage, but they mm-hmm. can stand with like, instead of a podium, they need to have a music stand and Hmm. they need to be down the stairs. Um, It's just a lot of work to be a complementarian, it seems like. And I don't understand why, how come women can teach in seminary? Can they? Yeah. Interesting. All seminaries? Like, 
Did I mean, you say because I know Denver Seminary is viewed as a little more progressive seminary compared to like Southwestern. Yeah. So we're not a denominational seminary, but there are like Dallas Theological Seminary is a Baptist seminary and there mm-hmm. are female teachers there. Interesting. So how come as women we can teach pastors, but then right. I can't stand where you're standing on the stage? And how come I can teach our boys, like I can, I can be a youth pastor or mm-hmm. sorry, youth director, youth leader. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't forget that terminology. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can <laughs> teach to them, but I can't preach to them. It's just, it seems like so much work. And with Beth Moore, like when, I, you know, I, fir- I asked for clarification when you first sent me this uh, question. But when I originally read it, like, should women take on more of a Beth Moore type of role in the world? I'm like, heck yes. Because that woman has fought tooth and nail for the respect that women deserve in the Southern Baptist Church. Yes. And she, it ended up her, unfortunately, having to leave the denomination. And which is sad because I think that sometimes focusing on the legalistic and the terminology instead of focusing on what people have to bring to the table no matter who they are mm-hmm. is going to cost us yeah learning from very gifted people it is and it has and it will continue to i no longer associate with the southern baptist denomination i'm kind of i describe myself as denominationally homeless um yes because mm-hmm. i grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, I actually went to the same church that Beth Moore was raised in. Okay. Also, let's talk about how you had a conversation on Twitter with her about well, we'll y'all's home about church. That. I was so excited. <laughs> I when I saw that because I was just you know scrolling you know in yeah. my three seconds of free time between naps. Right. <laughs> I was like scrolling. I saw Maddie's tweet and I saw Beth Moore's tweet. I was like, oh, I know. those aren't two separate tweets. Yeah. That's the conversation. Yes. And so yeah. I'm like reading through this. I'm like. Oh, Oh my gosh, this I know. is amazing. Her daughter so that, followed me on Twitter. Like that's I'm wild. Like, riding high this week. Man, um, you are you are in you're in good company. You're yeah. in the presence of royalty when you when you have Beth Moore on your Twitter feed. I think so too. Um but yeah, so we the reason why I tw- tweeted her is because mm-hmm. I just read her memoir. I highly highly Oh, I have been wanting to download that. That's my on my next to be read yes. list. Um, move it up to the top. It is just amazing. And um, so she was raised in the same church hometown as I was. Mm -hmm. Small town, Arkansas, um, highly conservative Southern Baptist church. And um, Beth Moore, she fought her whole life to stay in the church and the denomination she loved. Um, But she just couldn't take it anymore. She didn't yeah. want to mess with the jargon. <laughs> she didn't want to have to stand on the floor rather than the stage. Yeah. And, you know, she would have like men mimic her because of her hair and makeup. And that made her less of an authority when she spoke. So do we need more Beth Moore type of women? Yes. Yes. Because yes. She, absolutely. she has grown so much, even in my lifetime, of what she believes and what she's willing to fight for. And um, she now is like fully egalitarian. And that's the reason that she left the Southern Baptist Church. 
And even that is just a huge loss for the SBC. So my answer to that is yes, but also women belong in every single place that the Holy Spirit is being proclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am not interested in calling what I'm doing teaching when I'm preaching right now, you know, and um, the first woman who found Jesus resurrected from the dead. Yes. If that's not preaching, then what is? Come on. She ran to those disciples, mm-hmm. picked up her skirts, ran all the way to them and said, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Yeah. And I love that, that the importance that that puts on women. Yeah. And that, you know, it's just a personal thing. little touch from Jesus. Like yeah. he could have. Right. He could have resurrected to. I mean. He's freaking Jesus. Yeah. He left a freaking stone cave. He could have done whatever the heck. He could have proclaimed himself. He could have just showed up to the disciples, you know. Hey, what's up, dudes? We're having some Easter brunch. I'm back. Yep. Good to see you right. again. But no, he yep. He intentionally chose a woman, and I, I do love that. And he's so. still choosing women today. Yeah. And it's not yeah. teaching. It's not leading. It's not whatever word you want to use. It's preaching. And mm-hmm. it's it's pastoral in every sense of the word. We didn't, pastor is a Latin word that means shepherd. You know, like we don't even, the word pastor is not even in the Bible until it's translated into English. And so I just don't understand why we're willing to die on some of these hills. It just seems like so much more work to, and it seems like we're going in circles more to try and be complementarian, you know, like really grasping onto it when we see female prophetess, uh, prophetesses in the Old Testament, right? So we're looking at Miriam, Deborah, Huldah, you know, all of these women who, and, you know, the thing with a prophet is it has to say like the Lord spoke through them or they mm-hmm. heard the Lord and proclaimed. So mm-hmm. they are like, in cahoots with God and saying what he is saying to the people and commissioned by him. So that's my long question to that answer. No, that's, that's such a good, we just, that was just such a good conversation, Maddie. And I so appreciate you coming on here, taking over an hour now out of your day. I really, really appreciate it. It's been, this has been honestly just such a privilege for me to be able to learn from you. And, um, I mean, obviously, like I said, the point wasn't to come in on here and change each other's minds or change even the minds of the listeners. Just have a conversation. And that's that's what I love about this this podcast. And I hope that's what it can, continues to do. Okay, where can people connect with you to learn more from you about just your seminary journey and everything? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Twitter as the Maddie May. So it's T-H-E-M-A-T-T-I-E-M-A-E. And I am happy to talk to anyone about what I talked to you about today, seminary advice, um, or anything like that, I would love to connect. So thanks. Perfect. And Beth Moore likes to connect with her too, guys. So you better follow her (laughs) and have conversations with she and Beth Moore. Before I let you go, what is just one little nugget of advice, one little like snippet of your heart for all the other women out there listening? You're made in God's image too. Mm -hmm. Just as much as any other person in the world. Yeah, and so good. the Holy Spirit has really big things for you. I love that. 
You're awesome, Maddie. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You're amazing. I am (laughs) so glad to know you and I'm so glad to have been able to learn from you today. And I hope everyone listening had a little bit of joy put in their hearts from you today. So thank you everyone for joining the podcast. We will hopefully see you again next week. And that's it for today on the Wholeheartedly Her podcast. Bye friends.